Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 28 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This weekend marks the kickoff of the 2018 Spartan Race season. This weekend's races in Southern California mark the first Spartan races that will feature a competitive age group category. So I wanted to bring on perhaps the best person to speak to what that means for Spartan athletes and those who are over age 40 in particular. And that person is Kevin Donahue. Kevin and I had a long conversation, so long that I had to edit big chunks of it, and I still have nearly an hour with Kevin for you today. So we won't be featuring an everyday season athlete in this episode. We're going to go right to my interview with Kevin. But be sure to stick around to the end because I'm going to be venturing out of my studio, and by that I mean my apartment, and bringing my recording equipment to a fun fitness event in February. And I'm going to tell you how you can participate and maybe even get interviewed for the show. So definitely stick around for that. But now, let's get to know Spartan Masters turned age group athlete, Kevin Donahue. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Rob. What's up? Oh, not much. Just getting ready to uh, have a chat with you if you're down for it. For sure. Absolutely. Cool. cool. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? That's why I'm here, of course. Well, then let's do this. You are Kevin Donahue from Monroe, New York. You've been a Spartan Race Pro Team member since 2015 and hold multiple Spartan Race records. These records include 102 combined Masters and overall Spartan Race podiums, 50 first place finishes, and 71 first place age group finishes. You're the host of Daily Burn Spartan, the first ever workout video series for obstacle racing, and you've been a two-time team captain on NBC's Spartan Ultimate Team Challenge. You're a Spartan Master Trainer, Obstacle Specialist Coach, and one of the founding Spartan Course officials. Is there anything vital, personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? You know, it's funny. If uh, you had told me uh, when I was growing up, um, or even 10 years ago, if I was going to be doing a professional sport... I would have told you it would have been extreme skiing. And so, but here I find myself as an obstacle course racer. So um, life has a funny way of throwing you curveballs. It sure does. It sure does. And I now I'm all interested in this extreme skiing alternate universe path that you almost ended up on. So, you know, maybe. Yeah, we'll... you know, that's actually, that's actually what led me um, uh, to Spartan Race. And I, kind of, I think that really was kind of like one of the onuses that started the road. Basically, like I was a, uh, you know, big extreme skier, loved like hiking big mountains and skiing big lines and jumping off cliffs and, and doing all that. And I always kind of craved that lifestyle that like a professional skier had. They got to travel the world, do amazing, cool things with all their friends and just experience like an incredible part of life. Right. So I was training for a trip um, in Chamonix, France, and I was jumping a cliff somewhere in Vermont. Northern Vermont, I forgot the name of the place, um, Smuggler's Notch. And I jumped off this big cliff, and I landed a little funky, and my head snapped all the way down. My chin smacked off my knee, and basically my whole jaw exploded. It broke in two spots, dislocated on both sides, broke a bunch of teeth in the back of my mouth. I actually used to be a good-looking human being before the accident. Now I'm left with, like, this whole situation that people see on all the Spartan ads nowadays. I don't know. They still put you on the Spartan ads, so you got something going for you. I don't know why. I'm such a hack. They should put somebody else's face up there, and I'm tired of getting uh, <laughs> emails from friends teasing me all day. Do I have to look at your face first thing in the morning or three times a day with all these ads? I said, I guess. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, um, so I smashed my face, and I realized, I'm like, you know what? Like, everything I'd been doing athletically in my life up to that point was – it was just for me. It was more about like, it was more ego driven. It was just all about like, you know, how could I be, you know, awesome in my own eyes or whatever that translates into. And I thought, you know what, I got to do something more in life because it, I felt like it was pretty shallow, you know? And um, so I decided to start looking at other endeavors to doing. And uh, at the same time, a couple months later, after I healed up, a friend of mine, she did an ultra marathon. At that time, this is back in like 2009. I had no idea what that was. 
um, I was like, what's an ultra marathon? You think anything longer than a marathon? I'm like, what? I thought a marathon was like the longest thing. Like that's how, I mean, go back 10 years. Most people had no idea what ultras were. That's true. I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, so long story short, I, it just intrigued me. And I said, you know, I, I want to do this. So I went out and nine days training. I'd never run more than 13 miles in my life. And I did this 50 K um, trail and some really, um, technical terrain and it devastated me. I mean, my body was just shot, but I was so proud of myself and I, like, I was so happy. I was so fulfilled. And the same day I met this guy named Dean Carnassus and a uh, really cool guy. So I decided to go pick up his book, read it. And it just inspired me how he used running as a way to raise money for other people that were going through difficult times. So I decided to do that myself. And I uh, was able to raise almost $15,000 in my next ultra marathon for uh, a really nice girl in my town who got horribly burned in a fire. And it just, for the first time ever, I felt, I was like, all right, I was, I was matching my um, athletic abilities with a purpose that was bigger than myself, that actually served the purpose and served other people around me. And that kind of lit a fire under me. I did more of that kind of stuff. Um, and so giving, doing that gave me two years of running experience, long distance endurance work. So that when 2011 rolled around and I get a, um, a t-shirt thrown at me from a local cop in my neighborhood that I was friends with that had a Spartan race insignia on it, like a big helmet. And I was like, what's this? Like, yeah, it's obstacle course race, like kind of like a warrior dash or something like that. I'm like, Oh, I've heard of those. He's like, yeah, it's right down the street. You should try it. So I had the running background at that point, um, the speed and the agility from skiing and most actually most importantly football for the large majority of my life. And then I went out and did my first Spartan and it was a uh, love at first burpee, you know, uh, love at first barbar crawl. Like I, I couldn't believe that I'd gone like, you know, 34 years of my life and didn't at 36 years of my life and didn't know this existed and, or it didn't exist until that point. And, Ever since then, I've been hitting it full blast. And uh, the lifestyle that I had craved, that I dreamed of being a professional skier, I actually found that in more through Spartan and obstacle course racing. Yeah, and I imagine it was uh, a little bit more accessible, too. A lot more accessible and certainly, like, a lot more seasonal as opposed to, like, you know, I'm skiing from, at the very most, November to, like, April or the beginning of May to where now it's, it's 12 months out of the year for me. Yeah, yeah, you can do it anytime. So um, before we go more into the Spartan Race stuff, first of all, I got to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? Just turned 43. Just turned 43. So you're just barely seasoned based on uh, our standards here. Aren't you going to say happy birthday? Happy birthday, Kevin. Thank you so much. What a sweet thing to say. Happy birthday. That's better. Another year more seasoned, as I like to say. Absolutely. Let's go back in time a little bit because you touched on football. I want to know like, where you started when it came to playing sports, what, what your early, early athletic life looked like before the extreme skiing. Uh, baseball. Mm-hmm. And I did baseball until I was about nine years old. And then uh, my parents pulled me out because they got so fed up with um, the classic parents fighting all the time and yelling at the umpires and just, you know, treating each other like garbage. And they didn't want that example for me. Um, and they certainly weren't going to pay for it. So they, they pulled me out of organized sports altogether. Um, so from the time I was nine until I got to high school, all I did was play in the woods, I climbed trees. I caught frogs. I rode my bike. Uh, we made up games in the backyard. We're playing kickball and, uh, dodgeball and, making up weird kind of wiffle ball games. And I just ran around and enjoyed the outdoors without playing organized sports at all. That reminds me a lot of my childhood. I actually never played sports, but I lived in a cul-de-sac and in the suburbs and like ever, I was always making up stuff and, and the other neighborhood kids would do the same. So it's, it, I think that's something that almost is like unique. I'm 43 also. So it's like unique to the time when we grew up, no matter where you grew up, it sounds like. Yeah, it was just different. You really didn't, uh, there was no like, really good video game systems, you know, yeah. around that time either. You know, you had like Atari with one like joystick and a button. Yeah. And it got boring real fast. So it's like after about 20 minutes of that, if you had one kid in the neighborhood that had that, you're bored very fast. And it's like, all right, let's get outside and do stuff. How many times does E.T. have to fall in the hole before you just give up on that entirely, right? I know, you know, and like you can only play so much Pac-Man. So, yeah. 
Um, I get to high school and I had, a, I, I did have a lot of aggression. Um, I was, uh, picked on in elementary school. Um, I was kind of like the new kid in town and uh, at around right in around third grade, uh, new kid in school. And I just didn't click with the, uh, the popular click in that school. And it led to a lot of torturous like behavior where literally it was like every day. And this is before like bullying was like a thing that was like outlawed and frowned upon so much. Literally like I'd go out into the schoolyard every day and it was like, okay, what five or six kids am I going to have to fist fight today? Like at one time, you know? So I grew up every, you know, every day in school was like, you know, I had to watch my back. Literally it was like, put my back against the wall, put my back against a tree and keep my head on the swivel. And then kids would come at you for whatever reason, whether it was to tease you, whether it was to grab your hat, whether it was to, you know, give you a shove. And the next thing you know, like you're throwing hands and I'm in like the fifth grade, the sixth grade, the fourth grade, and I'm just fighting every day. And the kids that were in my school, a lot of the kids that were causing the problems, their moms or friends with like the lunch ladies. So they would sit back with their arms folded and just watch this whole thing. And then when I would rock a kid, I was the one in trouble, and I was the bad kid. So I was like the outcast bad kid until I got into about seventh or eighth grade, and I got bigger than the other kids, and then they wouldn't they wouldn't mess around anymore. And then something really cool happened was a lot of those kids changed, and they started to be nicer, and we started to become friends. And now they are some of my good friends to this day, but it didn't start out like that. Yeah. So yeah. coming out of middle school, elementary school, huge chip on my shoulder. Um, so one of the best things that I could do was try out for football when I got to high school and I, that was, you know, baseball was a passion of mine. Football became my heart. I mean, that was what drove me, what drove me every day to be better, to be the athlete, to finally start like exercising and training towards a football career, not only in high school, but for post high school and college. And that drove me like nothing else. And I had a very successful school football career. Went on, was, was able to play at a Division II school in North Dakota and loved that and actually played semi-professionally for a while after that as well. So, um, that yeah, that was uh, – I, I would say that um, football kind of rescued me. Yeah. Because if I didn't have that organized outlet of organized and organized violence, where yes. I could like kind of let unload on some people, but do it in a way that was like, you learn how to do it responsibly and you learn how to do it with control. And you know how you learn how to do that within the confines of a game with respect for not only yourself, but the teammates and your opponents. And that really shaped and gave me a foundation for taking that ability and that aggression and putting into sports or other things I was passionate about for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'm I'm relating to this story so much because I when you started talking about football, I'm like, oh, he finally got an organized channel for his aggression where it's allowed and it's positive. And then the discipline came from there. Then the desire to train and the drive came like first it was the organized channel for the aggression and then it kind of helped turn your life around like I, I played roller derby for many years and I although I didn't see it as an organized channel like I didn't I didn't have a chip on my shoulder I didn't need that necessarily but I see so many people come into that sport where they need something like that they need that organized channel for their aggression where they can be violent within the confines of the rules of the game and then coming from that and the thing that came from that for me was a desire to train a desire to get better a desire to learn that's what ended up converting uh, for me, when I started Spartan racing, when I stopped playing roller derby, Spartan race became appealing for those very same reasons in a different way. So it's kind of cool to see your version of that, where you came from and how, how that has all played into who you are now. Yeah. It really set a standard for me too, as far as like wanting to get the most out of every opportunity I've had. And, and then that's why a lot of people ask me like to today, they're like, you know, why do you race so much? Like, why you're doing all the things you're doing. It's because I want like, you know, one day, you know, when it's time to hang this up or I just don't want to do it anymore, or that may they, that day may never come. I want to be able to look back on every single race, every single season and know that I gave it everything that I had. And I don't want to look back with any regret. And I also want to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and try to set some benchmarks that other people want to achieve. Can you briefly explain, because this isn't 
necessarily an obstacle racing podcast, although we have many obstacle racers on here. Can you give like a quick, almost like elevator pitch of what a Spartan race is for those who may not know? Yeah, for sure. A Spartan race, like from the outside, is a military style like obstacle course race set in the natural setting of whatever geographical location you happen to be in the country or in the world. So, for example, if you were in Arizona, you'd be running this military-style obstacle course race in, in the desert, in the natural terrain there. And that would consist of things like climbing ropes, jumping or climbing over walls, carrying very degree, varying degrees of heavy objects such as sandbags, buckets filled with rocks, um, atlas stones. And even in some cases, in some places in the world, like in Iceland, we had like literally like ice blocks with handles on them. You'd be crawling under barbed wire or underneath cargo nets, going up and over varying degrees of cargo nets. And then there's all these um, kind of like ninja warrior style like obstacles that test your grip strength and the ability to maneuver with your hands through the air. Also other things that challenge your balance. And ultimately, you have to run or travel um, varying distances on foot. So your aerobic capacity is challenged at the same time throughout this race. Um, it's ship time, so people get to see where they rank among other people in the race. But it's also an opportunity for people to get out there with their friends and family and just do it for fun. But collectively, if you look at it big picture, it's an opportunity for people to challenge themselves to challenge who they were before they got there and see if they can better themselves by the time they leave. That's kind of like we have the slogan, like you'll know at the finish line. You'll know what kind of effort you'll put in. You'll also know whether or not you kind of gave you your best shot and walked away with something, you know, being something more than what you were when you went in. Yeah, I, and I agree about that because what I like about Spartan races is that I've kind of experienced all sides of it myself. I've raced with a team for fun. I've raced elite. I've pushed myself. And I like that no matter what level you come in at, it's always going to be a challenge. Like, it's always going to be something difficult. Um, and whether you're working with other people or working by yourself or racing against the best of the best or just trying to, to do something challenging, it's going to be something that is going to push you and it's going to challenge you and you're going to feel that sense of accomplishment when you're done that you wouldn't have felt if you hadn't attempted it. So when you first started, when did you realize that you could be successful at the sport at the elite level? My first race is probably maybe the seventh or eighth uh, race that Spartan ever put on. And I got to the start line. This is when Joe DeSantis used to show up to the races because it was such a small mom and pop uh, operation at that point. And he comes up to the star line and he says, hey, I'm going to put a $20,000 bounty on this guy's head if anybody can beat him. And I'll give you another $2,000 if you can stay within one minute of him. And that guy was on the call. <laughs> and nobody knew who the, who the heck this guy was. And, you know, he walks up to the star line. He's Hobie. And he doesn't, if uh, you don't know who Hobie called, one of our former world champions. And just probably the, the greatest uh, athlete ever to our sport. And a former guest on this show. So people could go back and listen to his interview as well. Oh, he's a man. Yeah. So at any rate, so I said, okay, if you could stay with him, you know, blah, 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 blah. So we fell out and, you know, we actually finished, you know, within about eight and a half minutes of him. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, that's, that's pretty good. I was like fourth overall. And um, I just love the mixture of the endurance running and then all the other athletic components that came into it. And I thought, I was like, you know what, this is so right. This is like, I wish this would have came around like earlier in my life. And I decided to go at it full blast. And uh, so then the next year came around, I did about 12 races. Um, and it just kept picking up from there. So very early on, I knew that would be something that I could be very successful at. But every year that's gone on now, it's had to dominate more of my life and more of my training time, and more of my free time rather, to train. Because everyone else, has seen that this is something that's incredibly special as well. Um, and it's brought out athletes from every walk of athleticism in life to come out and, and challenge each other to get better. So it's, it's something I knew I could be really good at early on immediately, but it's, it's taken a tremendous amount of work to be able to maintain that high level. That was actually the next question I was going to ask you because, you know, the sport has, you talked about getting into the very, very beginning when it was a small mom and pop, but it's just grown exponentially over the last handful of years. Like you talk about wishing it came into your life earlier. I wish I found it earlier and I wish it came into my life earlier. But yeah, you, you got into it 
right at that sweet early spot and now it's grown exponentially and has just brought this increase in top level talent so the key to to you consistently landing on the podium is just is it just like really digging into the training you know it's uh it goes further than that i mean you know there's a lot of people that could train hard you could you could put in the time you could put in the work but ultimately i, I just had to and i still do i have this burning desire i just i can't be mediocre i have to I have to, if I'm going to do something, I, I want to be the, the very best I could be at it. And I want to take it as far as I could go. And that's why I raced so much over the, the past, like, three years, four years, because I just don't want to look back when this is all over and say I didn't give it everything I had. And, you know, to do that, you, you got to put in time and you have to put in the training. But I just... I want to set some standards that other people look up to and like, Hey, you know, we talked about it earlier. That's, you know, kind of what I want to chase. Um, because this sport has been a second chance for me. And that's kind of a theme that goes along. I think with most people in the sport right now, anybody who's an adult, this is their second chance opportunity, whether it was from another sport, whether you were a drug addict, whether or not you lost all your money, um, in the market, whether or not you lost your job or your house or your, you're coming off a divorce or some other life tragedy such as injury or PTSD from coming back from the military. Uh, friends of mine like Amanda Sullivan who were, you know, had some severe brain injuries and tragic accidents. Everybody in the sport for the most part right now is a second chance quote unquote athlete. And uh, it's been like once you've gone through something in life and you get an opportunity to do something else, you don't take it for granted. And I, I refuse to take the opportunities I have now for granted, and I'm going to go at them 100%. Well said, and you've definitely been doing that just by the the sheer number of races, the level of involvement, and, and the fact that you give back and you help out and you help teach people the obstacles and, and really seem to be invested in helping others get better at this sport as well. Yeah, and you're doing the same part too. It's just by the fact that we're having this conversation right now and you've brought um, and you've interviewed other OCR athletes and brought it into a a different world. It's, you know, that's much appreciated as well. I'm always on the lookout for the seasoned athletes. So speaking of kind of, um, starting in 2018, Spartan is eliminating its master's elite division that, that you have spent a lot of time and been really successful at and introducing age group divisions that are more in line with triathlon and road racing age group divisions. So that means that high level over 40 Spartan athletes will have to decide whether to keep running elite and competing with the overall best of the best or move to the age group division and compete specifically against people in that 40 to 49 range. Um, if you're in your forties, as someone who has spent time on both overall and masters podiums, how does this change affect your approach to racing? Well, the, the first, um, the first thing I'm like that when I found out um, back in September that this was going to happen, um, the first thing that came into my head was, you know, like, oh shit, <laughs> there goes a lot of money that I may, I'm going to be able to make in the Masters like next year, and that that extra money really helped supplement a lot of my travel um, and made a lot of the races I was I was able to get to possible. So immediately, first gut reaction was like all right, this sucks for me. Then I took a step back and really thinking about what that meant. And the fact that Ironman has been growing over the last 40 years and been sustainable is because of these age groups divisions. And uh, just to back it up a little bit, um, you know, if you look at my record, like in the overall elite masters, and I might be a little off my numbers right now, but I'm going to be pretty darn close. And I'm just using this as an example. I have, I've done uh, 142 elite wave Spartan races. I've hit 13 overall podiums. Okay, so it's, that's, that's pretty good. But that's like about like, okay, say like one in, you know, one in 10 and a half, one in 11 races that I would do, I would hit an overall podium. Um, I was also in the top 10 about 82 or 83 times in those elite overall races. So that's a pretty good percentage. It's like I'm always up there at the top, um, generally speaking. Um, I'd probably be in the top 20. I'd probably be in that probably about 85% of the time. Um, and I've hit 13 overall podiums. I hit three overall podiums last year as a 42-year-old athlete. Really good stuff. But in the Masters division, okay, 40 and over, and Masters elite 102. Out of those 102, I hit 89 podiums. 
49 of those were victories. So that's a, and I think only three, two or three times, I think actually check that. There was only twice in that entire time out of those 102 races that I finished out of the top 10 or excuse me, only once that I finished out of the top 10, only twice that I finished out of the top five. So if you look at that, yeah, I had a very good elite overall career and I had an extremely dominant elite master's career. Well, what does that say? What that says is I've been an age group athlete basically my entire career. My entire career, I've made my, I've basically been able to make my career out of being an age group athlete. It might have not been called age group. It was called the Masters. Well, you know what? I would get on a podium and I'd win first place and maybe I'd finish like ninth or 10th overall. And I'd look at like, you know, another four or five guys who beat me that day. And the only thing they get to walk away with was a picture of their time, a screenshot of their time from the, the results area. And here I have them getting, you know, I'm getting cheered and I get to sit on this podium and I'm walking away with a check and a nice big plaque or block or whatever it was. And there's some people that beat me that weren't getting recognized for their efforts. And that, I got to be honest, it made me feel uncomfortable because, you know, here it is, somebody pat, pat, patted me on the back for a great race and the accomplishment I had. And, and they did better than me that day. <clears throat> and I didn't see that necessarily being like, like fair. So the master's division in name, yeah, it's gone. But essentially, I still had that 40 to 49-year-old age group to compete in. It's just now there's more division. Now everybody gets skin in the game. They go out to get an opportunity to get themselves recognized. And with all those different age group categories now, that brings in like target marketing for all those different age groups because a company that wants to start supporting Spartan and OCR might not necessarily um, be heavily marketing towards a 40 or 50 year old athlete. Maybe they're really targeting like the, you know, the 19 and 25 year olds. And now they can pick one of these athletes that's really dominating that age group. And that person could go out and start making some supplemental income from this. And that's amazing. And that starts bringing better athletes out into the sport because now people have more opportunities to get the skin in the game and to get recognized and to actually start supplementing their income with it. Now this first year, there's no money that affects Nobody more than me yeah. because I made more money in that master's division than anybody in the history of the sport. And I'm not saying that to brag. What I'm saying is if I feel so strongly that the age groups are far superior to having, having a master's division, then really no one else should be complaining because I, I have the most to lose short term and long term. What this does for all this, for me, for you, it is able to extend our careers because again, like master's, was 40 plus, right? Well, at 47 years old, I'd have to still be competing against, you know, guys that are, you know, excuse me, maybe at 50 years old, I'd have to still be competing against guys who are 40. And there's a huge like drop off in your ability from the time you're 40 to the time you get to 50. Yeah. Now it's like, once I hit 50, boom, it's a clock reset for me. I get to be the youngest guy in my division again, you know? And by the, right now there's only six age classes in the next year or two, when people really start attacking this and seeing it for what it is, it's a really cool thing and a great thing. More people come in, they're going to add more age categories. So there probably might be only five, like for example, instead of it being 30 to 39 and 40 to 49 as it is this year, it'd be like 30 to 34 yeah. and 40 to 44, 45 to 49. So it gives us opportunities. Like my hope is that by the time I turn 45 in two years, that's when a new division has already started, and I get to be the youngest guy in it again. I'm hoping that, too, for myself, yes. Yeah, I mean, and that allows us, you know what, like, and companies want to pay, they're paying for visibility. And the more you're able to get on a podium, the more visibility you get. So if I'm still able to get on the age group podium, that's still giving me visibility. And I think it's change is difficult for people just in general. That's just the way it is. But anytime you're in a young sport and this is still considered a young sport, like you're going to have these growing pains and these short term growing pains are going to be 
right for the long-term success of the sport. And like you said, you know, as time goes on, and I think I think even this year we're going to see a lot of people in the 40 to 49 age range, and it's going to be highly competitive. That's my prediction for 2018. Like, I know that I'm going out for, for that age group, and I'm probably still going to get smoked pretty hard. But there's just some highly, highly competitive people in that age group. And so... I think with the large turnout and with the high competitive levels, I think we are going to see those smaller brackets sooner than later, or at least I'm hoping that's the case. Um, And you make an excellent point about sponsors who have target markets. So the sponsor who wants to sponsor the 15 year old may not be the same one who targets the, you know, 40 and 50 year olds. And there are brands and companies that do target these older athletes. So you, you know, these older athletes will get more visibility and there will be companies that want these people to represent them uh, for their product that is more appropriate for these seasoned athletes. Yeah, you know what's funny is like um, the Masters Division. It's it's not common in like really any other sport. If you go to any local 5K in any any podunk 5K in any town in America, and what do they? What do ninety nine percent of them have? They have age groups. Yeah, I mean everybody's going out for the age groups. You know, like. The you know the seventy year old lady who comes in first in her age group is probably the most widely cheered person at that place. You know, like, and it, she's just as cheered, if not more, than the fourteen year old kid who just won his age group or came in third. You know, so the age group is what drives like every small race around the country, and now with a huge race where you have thousands of people competing on a single day to give more people an opportunity to really show what they have, you know, is going to make people train so much harder. Watch out. The sport of Spartan has just gotten way more exciting, way more competitive, and it's going to be a lot more fun for everyone involved. Yeah, I'm certainly really excited about it. My first race is coming really soon. My first race as an age group athlete. So uh, I'm excited to see how many people come out, what the talent is like, and how it works for me. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting stuff. So let's move on. I want to talk about the Spartan Ultimate Team Challenge. Um, Some of our listeners may have seen you in either or both seasons of the show on NBC. You were on the first and the second season. This past season, you got to compete alongside your girlfriend on the Little Giants team. Can you talk about what that experience was like for you? It was incredible. I mean, uh, season one was like it was a fantastic experience. Made a ton of friends on that show. And just competing on that obstacle course, like on TV, was just, you know, it was phenomenal. Great time. Season two, even better. Like, they reduced the amount of teams, kept the team size the same. So it kind of gave you, it gave everybody a little bit more visibility. And we were able to get into the personal stories of people more. But I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. Huge Walking Dead fan. So if anybody, any listeners are familiar with that show, we filmed it at a place called Terminus, which was one of the set locations from probably one of the most famous, like, couple of episodes ever in The Walking Dead. So you're in this, like, kind of warehouse it's at night and those crazy lights and pyrotechnics and all these insane obstacles. You literally thought it was the closest thing to feeling like they were in a video game. It was out of control. Like, I mean, it was so much fun, and they were successful, and I got to do it with my girlfriend and, you know, to have that experience together with my whole team, with, with Choji and Dustin and Corey, like, um, I knew Dustin and Corey before um, the show. We were friends from the race years because we compete against each other. And Liz was very uh, familiar with Jody. So to put all those different personalities and abilities together and, you know, kind of unite as one in that very stressful environment was was incredible. And, like, all of us are going to take that with us for the rest of our lives. It was just just super cool. Yeah, it was really fun to watch. And it's especially being involved in Spartan for the last couple of years now. I knew a lot of people on the show, either in person or people I'd seen before like you. Um, but it was really super fun just to I'm like, hey, it's my friend. Like just people I see at races or people I know uh, from the, the local Spartan community to see them out there doing that. It was really cool. And I auditioned. I didn't get in this year, but hopefully next year. Um, and I, I was a big fan of your team because I am short myself. So I had to cheer on the little giants. So uh, congratulations on that. that. That was really fun to watch. So let's take a moment to talk about some of the highs and lows of your race career. Um, and I know you've had a lot of races under your belt, but can can do you remember your worst, hardest or most difficult race? Uh, most disappointing day came, it might have come this year. 
uh, I had a streak where uh, I was on a streak of 40-something podiums in a row. I'd gone like a, almost um, like 13 or 14 months, and I hadn't missed the podium um, at, a, at a race other than a world championship. It was just like the one at the world championship. So I had the streak going, and I just went down to a race I'd won the year before down in Philly, and it was a stadium race. And generally in a stadium race, as long as I you know hit my spear and don't make a mistake, I'm always either first or second, generally first. And I missed my spear that day, and I was, I was, I guess I was pretty worn out from the travel and Tahoe, and didn't run good. And came in fourth, or I actually checked that I came in like fifth. And I have to be honest, I was crying after that. I was devastated. It hurt bad because you know every single race I'd gone into for so long, I'd I'd walked away with hardware, and I I'd go in expecting to make that podium, expecting to win, and not doing that sucked. And I was just you know, really disappointed. It was hard. I beat myself up about it for probably about four or five hours. And then I got over it and then you move on. You keep plugging away. What do you think is the most important thing you learned from that experience? Most important thing is like, no matter whether I won or lost, like my friends still love me. I, I still had the opportunity to go out there. Don't me in. I still had the opportunity to go out there and be an athlete in this baseball stadium and then, like, walk around on the outfield grass and, like, hang out and um, see my friends and be able to cheer them on and have fun and realize, you know what, like, somebody in this world woke up that day and they got a cancer diagnosis or they're, one of their family members or loved ones died or they had a severe accident. You know, it's, somewhere in the world that day, lots of people went through a lot of really bad stuff. And here I am, like, I had the luxury, the absolute luxury to get emotional or losing a race. That's not like real world stuff. That's like, that's not life or death. And that really put it in perspective, you know, about how blessed I really am and all the great people I have around me and all the blessings of health and of job and of my dogs and of the home that I live in, the roof over my head, the food in my belly, all the things that I have in this world that are total blessings, it put all that in perspective. So that's kind of like what, got me out of that funk really fast. Yeah, yeah, well said. So, like, the the short version is your worst race is still ultimately a really, really good day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a good thing to remember. So on the other side, tell me about your best race. Oh, man, you know what? I, I got to say, like, I had, I had a race this year where I hit my 100th podium. That was emotional, right? I had another race where in Castaic Lake, where I'm, I became the first person to ever hit the 40-40 club. Like, I ran over 40 races, and I stood on over 40 podiums. But I'd say probably my favorite race in my career, um, other than the first up there with the first podium I ever had, by far was Dallas, Texas this year. Um, and I shared an experience with a gentleman, a good friend named Yancey Culp, and he runs Yancey Camp. Yes. He, uh, he is a Tremendous training, running system for obstacle course race and other endurance athletes. And uh, he's he's one of my biggest competitors and just a, a really solid dude. And we have been competing on and off against each other for years now. So this was going to be the last time he and I were going to get an opportunity to face each other in the Master Elite. It was his last race of the season, and uh, we wouldn't face each other ever again with that in the Masters category. So the two of us, like, from the very beginning of the race, we took off, and we were literally back and forth, neck and neck, in every single obstacle. We were both running great. We were both doing obstacles uh, in tremendously in a fast, and just back and forth battle. And through those battles, like, we actually got to a point where we were about three quarters of the way through the race to get to the bucket carrot. And for those listeners who don't know, you think it's big, um, like a Home Depot, like, five gallon bucket and you have to fill it very quickly with gravel um, nearly to the top there's a, a certain line or level you have to get it to and then you have to carry it through a loop um in whatever natural terrain they decide to run you in the distance varies the terrain varies and the elevation gain or loss varies from race to race so we're literally in the middle of the bucket carrier and we're in this insane battle and i'm as locked in as i could ever be and Yancey goes to me, <clears throat> he's like, hey, um, would you would you want, basically, I, I'm trying to paraphrase now what he said, 
but he, he asked me if I wanted to finish the race with him, like locked, like hand in hand. And it, it caught me off guard. And I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I'm like, you know, I'm trying like bloody hell to beat this guy right now. I'm, I'm giving him everything I got. And, but at the same time, that's a tremendous like gesture for him to ask me. Like, you know, he asked me, he's like, this is my last master's race. I'd love to finish it with you. I'm like, you know, what an honor, like what a compliment to me as an athlete, but not only as a person coming from him. And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, but I'm like, man, I also want to beat this guy and giving him my very best as an athlete. It could be, it's actually the best compliment I could give him in my eyes too. So I said, we're in the middle of the bucket doing this. So we're breathing heavy, lack of gases building up. So I told him, I'm like, I said, I said, well, look, let's, let's keep racing as hard as you can. And if we're right next to each other at the end of this race, we'll finish it hand in hand. But if one of us pulls away, the other one comes back and we'll jump the fire together and cross together. And it's our ideal. So we go through a couple more obstacles and, we're, we're trading back and forth a little bit, and I had a slight lead going into the barbed wire crawl, which is like the third to last obstacle with maybe a hundred yards left in the course. And you know, I'm five foot four, and I have very short legs. And we got that barbed wire crawl, and he's about five ten, five eleven, and I just hit the gap in, in like a savage, like Wolverine type crawl, and just took off and, and got a big enough gap where. There was no way he was going to catch me. So I said, all right, I'm going to finish this race off as hard as I can because you never know what could happen. I passed one guy in the barbed wire, and I didn't know where I was as far as overall standings, let alone the master standings. I knew I was in first. And all I had left was a slip ball, which is this wall with a hook on it. You have to climb up and then send down. And then what's called a Hercules hoist, which is this big sandbag attached to a rope that goes up through a pulley and you have to pull the rope down and get the sandbag all the way to the top and then lower it down with control and then you can run across the finish line. So I finished all those things. I sprint across the finish and people are like cheering like crazy and I'm like, I don't know why they're cheering because I'm like, ah, I, I know I'm probably in top five or six, but I didn't know why they were going that nuts. And so I turn around and Yancey just finishes the turquoise. So I run back we lock hands and we jump the fire together, like in his last jump. And basically to have that camaraderie um, and that sportsmanship um, and just that generally like, like good affections and feeling for each other. I mean, we battled as hard as we could at every single obstacle, the whole race, and then be able to just show that gesture of respect to each other um, in a race where we both gave it our all. This meant so much to both of us. And it's something that, I'll take with me for the rest of my life, and, uh, probably my proudest moment of the year. And consequently enough, that last little bit of hustle put me in third place in the overall standing. Wow. Because um, another athlete um, got disqualified on the Hercules right at the very end for doing it incorrectly. And because I sprinted through and finished, it actually put me in the third place um, overall and, and I won the matches that day. So, it was just like a little extra reward for that extra hustle. And I tell you what, I would not have been in third place unless I'd been battling so hard with Yancey all day. Right. He pushed you harder, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I have him to take that. I really do. And I'm sure it means as much to him as it does to you, just knowing knowing what I know about him. Oh, it really did. It re- we're so proud of that moment. Um, and again, it's, it's so easy for me to recall that when you ask like, what was my best moment? I'm like, there it is right there. What a cool story. And that's just what a cool, like unforgettable race experience kind of story. I love that story. And I hadn't heard that story. So thank you for sharing that with us. So, uh, what types of challenges or possibly even benefits do you find that you encounter as an older athlete, as an athlete in your forties training and competing at a high level like you do? Well, I think, um, I think the years of experience and learning how to pace myself and just having so many uh, different varying experiences that I could kind of recall when I'm in the middle of a race, if I'm feeling really, really bad and my body's hurting. I could always recall, well, Hey, you know what? I, I was hurting on this day too. And I, I kept going and eventually I was fine, you know, and, or I would, this race was incredibly hard and, you know, I, I really wasn't good at hills at the beginning, but, you know, as the race went on, it felt like I got stronger or was able to survive it, you know, or I remember that day it was really, really cold and my hands went numb and I, I had to use this technique to get through this certain obstacle. So I'll be able to do that again. 
So having the recall to be able to, you know, draw back on with, you know, draw back on that experience to help you through really tough times in the middle of the race when you maybe start to question whether or not you'd be able to make it is a tremendous advantage. Yeah. Also, just physiologically, you know, as you get, you know, into your 40s, you're still hitting your endurance peaks as, as, as an aerobic athlete. Like, you're still, you know, pretty good. You don't really hit a drop-off until maybe you like your late 40s as far as um, that aerobic capacity goes. So that's an advantage as well. What you do lose is I've lost, like, a considerable amount of, like, explosion. Of, I've lost a considerable amount of, of power. It's, you know, you recover um, more slowly than I used to. But because of those things, I make more of an effort to eat better and do the things that are good for my body, such as icing after a race, such as eating the correct foods and getting nutrition in all the time, um, making sure that I stretch or I foam roll or I make sure I do a, a good enough warm-up. So I have less injuries and I have less issues in between races now than I did when I was younger because I just learned how to take care of my body better. The benefit of the experience and just kind of knowing yourself having been on this earth 43 years helps you. Yeah. And I just think uh, being able to, um, you know, take, you know, each experience I have with it and kind of relish in all the things around me, relish in the relationships I made from it, you know, giving more time to people when I'm out there, like talking to people more, like talking to kids and, and hanging out and just enjoying the experience more. Just like I'm just at an age of my life where everything means a whole lot more and none of this stuff lasts forever. I've had, I've been, you know, in a tremendous amount of sports where, you know, while I'm doing it, I never think it's going to end and then it's over and you're looking back on it and like, wow, I wish I appreciated that more. Like every time I go out in the Spartan chorus and I'm in the venue or in the festival area or running around and having a difficult moment, I literally smile because I'm like, wow, like one of these days it's going to be over and I'm going to soak this up and enjoy as much as I can while I can right now. Yeah. The benefit of perspective. And that's another thing I've heard a lot from the athletes I've spoken to is just not, you know, being, being older, old enough and wise enough to not take it for granted anymore, not take your athletic ability for granted, not take the experience for granted. And it just, it makes it a richer experience. And still going out, knowing you could go out and kick some ass. Yeah. I mean, that's great too. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. So what advice would you give to someone who may be around your age, has entertained the idea of trying a Spartan race, but may find it intimidating or out of their league? And I hear those stories all the time. Like, I want to do it, but I don't know if I can. What would you say to those people? What I'd say for those people is sign up for a race. Get yourself signed up. Sign up for one of the smaller races in, in terms of distance, such as a sprint or a stadium race as you – um, so wisely had talked about, right? And sign up for a race maybe three to four months from now. Like, give yourself that goal date. Put that out there, pay the money, and then that way you're, like, obligated to do it, right? And then get out there and just slowly start getting yourself moving. If you haven't trained at all, just get outside and walk. You know, go walk a mile. You know, go walk two miles. Every day... Go out and just do a little bit more. Practice basic strength moves. Um, Spartan Race puts out on the website, they have like the workout of the day. Um, they have all these different um, different guidelines and areas where you could choose from in terms of your training where you can get like quality advice right from the website and how to do certain exercises, how to prepare for certain obstacles how to increase your upper body strength, your leg strength, your grip strength, your, you know, basic endurance, all those things. And then just start real slow. Um, in most communities, there's people that are what's called XGX certified. That's Spartan group exercise. I'm one of them. There you go. <laughs> there's coaches out there that are available and they like your listeners could contact you and be like, Hey, how do I get ready for this physically? And you, even if you couldn't train them yourself, you could at least point them in the right direction to a gym that has an XGX program. And those XGX programs are on the website. So you could, like, find a coach locator. So you can plug in your um, your zip code, and they'll give you a list of people that are from your area. I have a workout program out there called Daily Burn Spartan. And it's a six-week program for people of beginner, intermediate, and advanced levels. And it's six workouts that run through a six-week period. Not every day are you doing a workout. You'll actually get... They'll give you a yoga or Pilates and some recovery workouts in between. 
And if you do that program, if you've never done anything, and you're able to get through the Daily Burn Spartan program, that's six weeks you've gone from not being able to do a whole lot to actually having some pretty solid fitness to be able to get you in your first race. And let's say you get to the race, and no matter how hard you trained, and no matter how much work you put in and prepared you got in those three to four months, you know what, you still just, you can't hit your spear or you can't climb up a rope or you cannot um, go across the monkey bars, right? You just can't do it yet. You need a little bit more time. If you can't get it done, you're able to see how other people do it. You're able to talk to people that were in the same walk of life that you may have been in just a couple months before. And we've seen people through these races that were morbidly obese that couldn't do any of the obstacles and now they could go through an obstacle race, you know, penalty free and they're able to get everything done. So it gives you an opportunity to get out there and see how you can improve, but you're not going to know until you physically actually get out there. So use the resources that Spartans provided, whether it's finding an XGX coach, whether it's looking at the workouts of the day or whether it's doing the daily burn program, which if you do it, it has a 30 day, I'm not trying to sound like a pitch man for this, but I want people to know there's, there's a 30-day free trial, and if you do it, you get, um, I believe it's um, 20, 15 or 20% off like your first Spartan race if you sign up for the program, and that's just the free 30-day uh, trial, which is kind of cool. You get some money off, and you get three 30, day, 30 days of free training. Um, once you've done all that, regardless, get out there on the course and give it a shot. You know, there's volunteers there to help you. There's other athletes who have been where you've been, you know, but you're not going to know unless you get out there. Is it scary? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. That's what makes it worthwhile, though. And there's going to be people around there to help support you. And you, if you haven't been to a Spartan race before, once you go, it's going to change your, it's going to change you. It's going to change your life because you're going to come into a community that is literally the most inclusive, most welcoming group of people you're ever going to meet. Yeah, it's it's funny. I was just thinking about uh, my husband races with me, and he's he's hasn't been as hardcore as I have been in the last couple of years, but he's getting more so, which is kind of fun to see. But in the beginning, he was really nervous about going out there because he thought it was going to be a bunch of, like, meatheads on the course and he's like I don't know how to do any of this stuff and then I'm gonna be embarrassed because it's all these like hardcore lifter bros and he went out there and just was blown away about how nice everybody was and how helpful everybody was and that strangers will help you get over a wall especially those hardcore lifter bros yes and so it just kind of changed his viewpoint immediately and now he's he's come a long way to the point where he can start helping people so it's really fun to see that kind of evolution and i really like your advice about trying you know spartan has all those resources they have the free workouts they have the the daily burn program that you host spartan sgx coaches all over the country and i'm one of them um and that helps you get the overall conditioning and then you get out on the course and you see what you can and can't do and that gives you an idea of what you then need to work on going forward and you know when i did my first race there was a ton of stuff i couldn't do and actually there was a bunch of stuff i couldn't do for several races and spear throw is a thing that I've never been able to land in 21 attempts. I think I've had. So you just continually have this opportunity to keep learning. And that's what makes it fun for me. Like I always have this, this thing, like this one obstacle or two obstacles that I'm like, this is the thing I'm going to focus on. I'm going to get this in the next race by gosh. And then I work on it and I get it. So you start off with that conditioning base that you can get from all of these resources. And then learn as you go and, you know, get those beasts that you want to conquer as you go along. And that's what makes it fun and interesting. So excellent advice. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what are some of the races we're going to be seeing you at in 2018? Have you figured out your schedule? Are you going to have as aggressive as a schedule this year as you have in the past? I'm going to try to be as aggressive as I was last year. I'd, I'd love to get in another, you know, uh, 30 to 40 races in, if not more. Um, and that's just in Spartan. Um, probably the first race I'll be at this year would be in Arizona and then shortly after that in South Florida and Greek peak. And then the first major one would be the, um, the first national series race in San Jose. So I plan on going out there, but, um, yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, basically almost all the regional ones that are in the Northeast part of the United States, um, all the national series ones and the stadium series races are ones that I'm 
I'm generally at most of those. But uh, after that, I mean, it's it's um, you, you could count on me being at a large majority of the races this year in all the different four corners of parts of the United States as well as in the breadbasket. And I'm um, trying to get out. I'd love to be able to do – I've done Hawaii twice and uh, actually three times in the past uh, five years. I'd really like to not go back to Hawaii, which sounds crazy. I'd like to take uh, a trip over the pond the other way and get out to uh, get out to England or France or Italy or Czech Republic or Germany. One of those, uh, you know, one of those great European countries I've never been to yet, and try a race out there. Um, things are maybe a little bit. What's cool about Spartan is things are really getting streamlined, and they're going to be a lot more similar around the world now. So. You know, if somebody's running a race in, you know, Czech Republic, it's going to look very much like a race in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, but because of the growth of this sport, think about it, being able to go anywhere almost in the world to be able to find that community of people that think pretty much like you do and have a great time and are welcoming and want to compete is pretty awesome. So I can't wait to do it. I, you know, I envy your life a little bit just because I wish I could travel quite as much as you do, but... Um... But it sure sounds like fun. OCR right now for me is a futile enterprise, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'm definitely enjoying it. But I have to make sacrifices in other areas. Yeah. Your vacations, all of your vacations are probably what I call race-cations. Actually, check that. Like, when I'm going to races, that's that's work and it's fun. I'm having a great time. Vacation for me is coming home. Right. I love being at home. I will sit at home all the time and just have my quiet time, be with my dogs. And just hang out in my little town um, with all the people that I know that, you know, it's kind of like you walk down the street and you, you see everybody, you know, and stuff like that. For me, that's vacation. Like, I love being home. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting flip on the normal perspective. So before we go, uh, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey that you would like to share with our listeners? I would just say if you're going to get into this sport or anything that you're doing, just enter it with all your heart. So when you look back at it, you're not going to have any regrets, no regrets. So give everything you got while you can and absorb everything around you. Absorb your relationships, absorb the sunsets, absorb the sunrises, absorb the thorns, the sprained ankles, all the things that are good, all the things that are bad, put them together all in one big pot, stir it up and be like, you know what? I live in life. And you have the opportunity to do that because there's so many other people in this world that unfortunately they don't have that choice. They don't have the choice to suffer. We're literally doing an activity where we're choosing to suffer. And some people suffer in a way that they have no control over. So the fact that we get to suffer voluntarily is a tremendous tremendous gift and something that for me you know keeps a smile on my face when I'm going through some really hard times well said sir well done coming from a place of gratitude um, and joy with the whole experience I think is so so important so thank you for saying that you're so welcome and I'm very grateful for being in a position where I'm blessed enough to be asked to be on such a a podcast is such a nice person. Oh, so thank, you. thank you. Finally, if someone wants to learn more about you, how can they do that? Um, my Instagram page is at KDonuLives. That's K-D-O-N-O-G-H-U-E-L-I-V-E-S. It's the same on Twitter. And I also have a Facebook page. Um, I had to set up one of those athlete pages because my Facebook account was pretty much filled up. So it's just Kevin Donahue, Spartan Protein. But probably the best way is Instagram is Lives. It's um, what I use the most and what I use to communicate with people the most. So if they have any questions about, like, you know, like doing their first race or um, how to get on Daily Burn or if they've done Daily Burn or are starting it and they want to tell me how they're doing, you know, chime in. Let me know. Yeah. Be glad to hear from you. And you will respond. You responded to me, so 
I believe you will respond to everybody. And you're just, you are one of the nicest people on the Spartan Race circuit. And I know that I, I haven't gotten to talk to you in person very much, but I've just, it's everything I've heard about you and my experience with you in person. So um, thank you so much for being willing to do my show today, being a part of the seasoned athlete, representing the seasoned athlete community in the Spartan world so positively and so um, with such strength. So thank you for doing what you do and thank you for being on the show and uh, best of luck and have a blast out there uh, next season. I hope to see you at some races and at some start lines since we are in the same age group. Hopefully one of these days I'll be able to go toe-to-toe with you on the course. I'm working on it. I hope so. And thank you for uh, having me. It was my pleasure. All right, season athletes, before we go, here are my top three takeaways from Kevin Donahue. Number one, if you want to learn a new sport like obstacle racing, utilize the training resources that are available to you. Spartan Race, for example, offers a number of training resources, from free workouts to subscription services to coaches in pretty much any city. It can be intimidating to go it alone, but lucky for you, you don't. Number two, whatever you do, do it with all your heart so that when you look back on it, you have no regrets. This applies in sport and it applies in life. Don't hold back on how you experience your life. And number three, live in a place of gratitude. Absorb the bad parts of your life along with the good because they all make you who you are and be grateful for that. Thank you again to Kevin Donahue. Be sure to follow him on Instagram at K-D-O-N-O-G-H-U-E lives. And thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is from bensound.com. As I touched upon at the start of the episode, I am really excited to share that the Seasoned Athlete Podcast has been invited to participate in the Celebrity Sweat Wellness Day on Sunday, February 18th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Skyspace in downtown Los Angeles. By the way, that's on the 70th floor, I believe, of the U.S. Bank Building, that really tall building in downtown L.A. How cool is that? I'll be there with my microphone, doing Facebook Live and recorded interviews with some of the experts on site to get their thoughts on training, nutrition, and wellness, particularly for the seasoned athlete. And I would love to talk to you as well. You can get in for free if you say Celebrity Sweat at the door. And you can find out more about the event on the seasoned athlete and the Celebrity Sweat Facebook pages. I hope to see you there. Let's sit down and have a little interview. And thanks again for listening. Now go on out and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so can.